Hey church, it is so good to be able to come to you by way of video, our online church here this morning. Thank you for watching and participating in the service today. I hope and pray that the uh, song service this morning was an encouragement and a blessing to you. It's exciting here. I'll tell you, it's been several weeks since we've had this much activity here at Monclova Road Baptist Church. I've loved being able to come to you by way of video every single week, but this morning it was really special. As I pulled on the property, there was already a team of people here uh, getting ready for this service, the uh, online service, and then there was a group of people out in the parking lot. And at 10.30 this morning, I'm gonna ask that you would pray for that service. We've prayed that the rain would be held off during the service here, and, and uh, we've got a tent and a platform outside. We've got signs, and we're anticipating a large group of people coming at the 10.30 hour to worship together. It's gonna be a little bit different, and I wanna encourage you, if you're not able to make it this week, then next week, the next two weeks, we will continue with our drive-in service. And then be watching, because we're going to uh, let you know next week our plan for June. We've met with our church leaders leadership and the staff, and we have put together a plan for us to get back to worshiping together. And so next week, we're going to present that to you. But I'm glad that you are here today. If you're visiting with us from a different state, maybe you don't normally attend church here at Monclova Road, but you're watching here this morning, I want to thank you for being here with us. We've got many people from many different states that are watching our church service each week. And I also want to thank our church members and those that regularly attend. And I want you to know this morning that I miss you and that these weeks have they've gone by as we've done church this way, uh, it's not the same. I miss seeing your faces. I miss shaking your hands. I miss just seeing you and worshiping together with you. And I'm praying for you. And I love you, church. And I can't wait for us to get back together again to, uh, to worship the Lord. Now, we're going to go right into our Bible this morning because I've got to be outside at 1030. And so I guarantee you today we're going to be right on time uh, in our Bible study here today. But Acts chapter number 16, Acts chapter 16, and we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. What a wonderful journey we've taken. And I hope as we're going through this book, you're able to apply things to your life and apply things to your walk so that we could be pleasing the Lord and keep our mind and our focus upon heavenly things, upon the word of God and upon God's plan for our lives and God's plan for humankind. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are into their second missionary journey. They have come to a place called Philippi. They are preaching the gospel. They come together on the Sabbath, the Bible tells us, and they begin to pray. And there's a lady by the name of Lydia there, and, and we saw this last week, and she hears them praying, and she desires to know more about. The Bible tells us she is listening attentively to what Paul is praying, what Paul is saying. And I, I just imagine a, a group of believers there by that river, Lydia probably sees this group that she doesn't normally recognize and doesn't normally see there at that place. And as she's doing whatever it is that she's doing there by that river, she, she notices what's going on and she begins to listen. Maybe she draws herself close to this crowd without others noticing or without those in that crowd seeing her. And she begins to listen to what Paul is saying. And as Paul is praying and as Paul is teaching about Jesus Christ and him crucified and, and re, uh, resurrected from the grave, she begins to listen and the Holy Spirit of God begins to convict her and she sees a need to be saved and baptized that day. We come then, we read a story 
several days later, there's a lady, a young, young damsel, a slave girl. She's possessed with a devil and she's following Paul. And she, this goes on for days and, and Paul eventually has sympathy upon her, the Bible says, and he turns to her and he casts that devil out of her. Those that owned that little slave girl, she was making them money. People would bring them to her and she would tell them fortunes and, and uh, uh, a soothsayer, the Bible says, be able to look into the future because of the demons that she was possessed by. And once that demon was gone out of her, those that owned her weren't, weren't glad and weren't excited for, for that young girl's sake. They were upset because their, ma- their way of making money off her was gone. And so they took Paul and they took Silas and into the, to the city and to the leaders there and, and they complained to them and, and one of them arrested. And that's where we pick up reading here this morning in verse number 20. And brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither do observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. That's Paul and Silas now are being beaten for preaching the gospel. And when they had, had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now think about this story now. Paul and Silas is, is simply praying and preaching and teaching the gospel. And because people are being saved and because lives are being changed, there are some in this city that don't like what's happening because now their way of living is now going to be changed and how they, how they made money now is gone. And, and, and even though people's lives were going to get better because of what Jesus Christ is going to do, there's a certain group of people, some evil men and others religious leaders, others magistrates there in the city, they don't like what's going on and they take Paul and Silas and they beat them. They scourge them. They take a, a whip and they beat their back and they bloody them. And, and not only do they do that, then they take them and they take them to the jail. The Philippian jailer is charged. And, and in those days, if a prisoner got loose, the jailer that was charged with them, he would be killed. His family could be killed. And so this charge that was given to the Philippian jailer was more than just what we might consider today, handing them over to a police officer and just placing them in jail. No, his life was on the line. His family, his livelihood was on the line. He could be beaten or even killed if these prisoners were to get away. And so he takes Paul and Silas and he casts them into the inner prison. That, that simply means this, another set of guards and another set of bars and, and deeper into the prison so there's no escape. There's not windows they could get out of and walls they could chisel through. There's too many prison or guards that, that there's no way to get past them. And not only did they put them into the inner prison, the Bible tells us they uh, took and, and put uh, irons on their feet. So there was no way to escape. And I want to speak to you this morning about Paul and Silas and their response to this trouble. 
their response to trouble. Now, I want to look this morning about how we respond to trouble in our lives. Now, every single one of us have troubles. Some of you today, you're going through trouble. It, it could be trouble at work. It could be trouble at home. It could be trouble with family. It could be some kind of financial trouble. One thing I can guarantee every single person is at some point in their life, there's going to be trouble. You're going to experience it. Now, there's probably some that say this, I, I, I know what you're saying. I feel like all I do is experience trouble. I'd like to not experience trouble for maybe the first time in my life. Others, maybe you're experiencing great difficulty or great trouble. But whoever you are, trouble is not a respecter of persons. Trouble is going to follow us, and trouble is going to be something that we deal with. Trouble's there even when we're not looking for it. Paul and Silas weren't looking for trouble. There was this damsel, this lady that was possessed with devils, and she was following them for days. She was seeking them, crying out that they are that what they say is true, that they're preaching and, and teaching about the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, and he's the only way to salvation. This girl is, is, is prophesying, if you would, preaching, and she is bringing trouble to them. And, and Paul just simply looks at her with compassion and, and, and casts that demon out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And because of that, trouble comes. You see, sometimes trouble can come in our lives when we're not even looking for it. Trouble comes just simply because it's part of life. But I want to look this morning at our response to trouble. Trouble's going to come, and you're going to respond. How are you going to respond? You see, one thing you can guarantee that you can't stop trouble from coming. But one thing you today can determine is how you're going to respond when trouble comes. You can't stop the trouble, but you can respond properly. You see, I think this is where many of us Christians fail. I think many of us fail because we don't respond to trouble. We get upset with the trouble. We try to get rid of the trouble. We try to avoid the trouble. But how we deal with the trouble is what I believe God's after this morning. And so keeping this in context of what we're looking at today, I want us to think about in our lives, our response to trouble. In verse number 20 and 21 this morning, the book of Acts, what was the crime? The crime was simply preaching Jesus Christ. The Bible says they brought the, them to the magistrates. Then they said they do exceedingly trouble our city. What were they doing? Were they stealing? Were they robbing banks? Were they uh, causing a political uh, movement? No, none of those things. They were just simply preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. And these men said they're troubling our city. It goes on to say they are teaching things that are unlawful for us to receive. And in verse number 21, they said what they're teaching is strange to us. They're, they're, they're telling us of this Jesus who, who died for our sins and, and that we are to uh, uh, remove ourselves from what we, we've known since a child. We've been taught through religion. And they're trying to say what we're supposed to do. It's unlawful. It's not even good for us to hear. They're troubling the city. The crime was preaching Jesus Christ. 
The punishment we find in verse number 22 and 23, the Bible says, and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So what do we find? We find the crime and we find the punishment. The punishment is severe. You would think that the punishment for this was a little bit over the top. They've not hurt anyone. They've not stolen from anyone. They've not physically assaulted anyone, but, but they're treated like a common criminal. They're beaten to the, to the point of, of physical, uh, uh, almost death, and placed into this prison for simply because of what they said about Jesus Christ. I think you'd agree this morning, they're in over their heads. They're in trouble. Paul and Silas are in great trouble. They're in the Philippian, they're in Philippi, and, and they just witnessed God do miraculous things. Lydia is saved. She's converted. She's baptized, and she now becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. This woman that was possessed with the devil is no longer possessed any longer, and she's a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to know this morning, many times after great spiritual victories, we can experience troubles and trials in our life. Now don't miss this. Many times after God's greatest blessings in our life comes great trials, becomes great troubles. And sometimes they're there because Satan doesn't like victories in our life. Satan doesn't like Christ being exalted and, and God's church going forward and, and those that claim the name of Jesus to be blessed. He, he does everything he can do to resist that. And many times I find, whether it's in our church or it's in our personal lives or wherever it may be, many a times I find that at our greatest spiritual victories, not soon after comes a trouble or a trial. Sometimes it might be because God is testing our faith. It could be for different reasons, but I find that many times it's true. After great spiritual highs, we experience lows and seemingly defeats. Now, I want you to think about this this morning. Paul and Silas, just a, a short time ago, they leave Antioch to go on the second missionary journey. Their whole goal is to see people saved. Their whole purpose of this journey, it's not a vacation. It's not anything glamorous. I mean, it's, it's grueling. It's hard travel. It's, it's going to new places. It's, it's, it's preaching the gospel in, in unfamiliar places and in unwanted places. But they surrender to, to go. They've given their life so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go into the known world, and they're going to turn this world upside down. You would think that you would uh, you would think that God would say, "Wonderful, you're doing my work, and and no troubles are going to come, and no problems are going to come, and 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 great victories the whole way because you're doing my work." But that's not the way it is, and that's not the way it is in our lives either. Just because you have set out to serve God. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean all your troubles are gone. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that God's going to bless every single step the way you want him to bless. Now, don't lose thought this morning. 
Paul and Silas, they are on this missionary journey to see people saved. They are going throughout the known world to preach the gospel. And now they find themselves in Philippi. And, and, and I say this to Michelle often. It seems like anytime something great is happening spiritually or when it seems like God is just blessing in a great way, watch out. Satan may attack. Watch out. There may be a, a low coming. And when that low comes, church, guest, how do you respond? Friends, the gospel was never well received. Sometimes if we're not careful, we think that, that uh, uh, it was at one time in past times easy to preach the gospel. I want to remind you, this is the first century. This is just after Jesus Christ has died. This is the, moderate, the, the, the uh, apostles that watched Jesus be crucified, that followed him. They're still alive. They're there in Jerusalem, and, and they're now being scattered, and they're preaching the gospel. The apostle Paul is, is uh, now preaching the gospel. First century church. And where does Paul and Silas find themselves? In jail beaten for preaching the gospel. Stephen has been stoned because he's preaching the gospel. All the apostles are going to sacrifice their life because of simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel was never easy. It was never convenient. It was never well accepted. And I want to simply say this to us, church. I want us to stay strong during these times and during this generation. I believe what we're seeing around this world is just a, a precursor of, of Jesus Christ's soon return. And, and Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. We find the Bible tells us, and in times, it's going to, uh, uh, people are going to wax worse and worse, and, and the, the gospel is not going to be well received, but I, I want to simply remind you, church, and challenge you, church, that no matter where you find yourself and what generation, whatever generation we're living in today, we are going to need to remain strong and determined that we are not going to give up, that we are not going to quit, that we are going to be grounded in the word of God, and that we are going to stand for the gospel's sake. We're not guaranteed it's going to get easier. We're not guaranteed that, that we're going to receive great blessings the way we want to receive blessings. God always has, and he is still today looking for individuals that are, their eyes are, are focused on Christ, that their hearts are focused upon eternity, that they are going to result, be resolved, that they are going to stay and stand firm upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. In church, I want to challenge our church today that no matter what comes our way, that we will stay strong for the gospel's sake. Will you determine that today? you determine that? There's always been a battle against the gospel. You see, it interferes with religion. It interferes with man's authority and power. It interferes with man's influence and man's prestige because man doesn't have to do anything. Jesus Christ did it all. Man is not in charge. Jesus Christ is. Man likes to be in charge of religion. Man likes to set the rules that he wants for others to follow. Man likes the prestige and, and, and uh, the power that comes with influence and leadership. But Jesus Christ, he's the head of our church. And others don't like that. It challenges Satan in his desire to be like God. 
And so what am I saying? Simply this, Christian, there's always going to be trouble. Christianity has always been under attack. And those that preach it and those that live it will always experience persecution and trouble. And I pray that our church is ready for persecution that comes. The only way for us to be ready is to be focused and grounded upon God's word. Today, are you experiencing troubles? These next few moments, I want to speak great to your heart today. I want to help you today. I want to encourage you today. Because I know many that are experiencing troubles. I I know this, there's many that look at the news and they're troubled by what the news tells us is going to happen over the next several months. We hear the unemployment rates rising and it troubles us. Some have been laid off and it troubles you. Some, they're experiencing trouble in their homes. Maybe there's a student here that you're supposed to be graduating and you're supposed to be going to college next semester and you're unsure what is going to happen and you're troubled. Maybe there's some difficulties at work. You're having problems with the boss. You're having problems with a coworker. Maybe it's not your immediate family, but it's your extended family and you're having trouble with them. I don't, I don't know what it is this morning, but I want to speak directly to you that are experiencing trouble. Will you allow me to help us as we respond to trouble in our lives? Would you give me just your attention this morning? Because too many times we take a carnal response to trouble. Let me say this again. Too many times, Christian, we take the carnal response to trouble. When something doesn't go our way in our life, we decide how we're going to deal with it. We decide it's I'll show them. We, we don't let God accomplish what his desire is to accomplish. We decide how we're going to take matters into our own hands. We decide if we're going to quit work and choose another place to work. We decide if we're going to walk away from our family. We decide if we're going to push our friends away. We decide if we're going to be mad or bitter or angry or, or ignore somebody. We take things in our own hands. And instead of considering that God is working, we take a carnal approach to trouble. And hear me this morning, when you decide to take a carnal approach to trouble, it always is going to extend your trouble and bring more trouble to you. I want to say this this morning to you. God can work through trouble. And God does work through troubles. We sometimes, we fear. That's a carnal approach. Now, that's one that all of us do, and I'm guilty of that myself. But just because all of us do it, and just because I'm guilty of it, doesn't mean it's right. It's carnal. Because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But oftentimes we see trouble and begin to fear and that fear causes us to make decisions that we shouldn't make. It's carnal. Sometimes we complain. Now I know probably none of you have ever complained before. But complaining is putting the focus on you and not putting the reliance on God. Complaining is a carnal way to deal with trouble. Sometimes we seek revenge. Have you ever done this? Have you ever voiced your concern on social media for the entire world to see when you have trouble? 
It's not the way to do it. It's carnal. All of us are guilty of all of these ways because we're humans. But there is a proper biblical response for us to deal with trouble in our lives. You see, we take the carnal approach and then we ask forgiveness when we are finished. And so we say, well, I'm only human, so God understands. And and so when I'm all done and I figured all this out and, and I realized I was wrong, then I'll go back and apologize. That's not the way that Christians ought to respond. We act in fear. We justify it with the size of the trouble. I know that I shouldn't be afraid, but this is big. I know I shouldn't live in fear, but look how large this is. I I know that I shouldn't respond that way, but do you really know what that person did to me? And so we justify our carnal response because of the size or the magnitude of the trouble. But hear me today, that the size of the trouble doesn't ever give us permission or does never give us the right to behave in a carnal way. We are blood-bought children of God and God is our heavenly father and God is still on the throne and we still have the power of prayer and God is still in charge of our lives and he said I'll never leave you nor forsake you it's him that we ought to trust it's him that we ought to put our faith in it is him that we ought to believe during every trouble in our life and when we do that we won't respond in a carnal way now I want to give you three things this morning of how we ought to respond to trouble. Please get these. If you're dealing in trouble in your life today, if you're going through a trial, if you're carrying a burden, if there's difficulty in your life right day, today, don't miss these things. Because I find in Acts chapter 16, this is how Paul and Silas dealt with trouble. Number one, look with me in verse number 25 of this chapter. The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas complained, was critical, blamed God, and caused the prisoners to take their side. (laughs) No. If that's what your Bible says, you're reading the wrong version of the Bible. (laughs) But I know that's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says this, they prayed, they praised God, and the other brethren or the other uh, ones that were in the jail, the other prisoners heard them. I, I want to say this to you. When you deal with trouble, the best way that you can respond to trouble is through prayer, through praise, and through boldness. Through prayer, through praise, and through boldness. Write that down, please. Number one. Deal with trouble through prayer, through praise, and through boldness. Don't miss this. You see, they got God involved first in what was going on in their life. Every single one of us are going to go through trouble. And the proper response when we go through trouble is first, get God involved. Put him in his rightful place. The Bible says that seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, Christian, we are commanded in every area of our life to seek God first, even in trouble. 
I, I want you to see this, and please don't miss this. This changes everything for you. They've got trouble. They've got serious trouble. They've been beaten. They've been placed in jail. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Paul knows that for preaching the gospel, you could be killed because Paul was one that was going out and killing Christians before he was converted. He's seen it. He's been on the other side of it. He knows the heart of those that want to stop Christianity because it was his heart at one time. What does he do? He gets God involved. They got their eyes off the problem and they put them on God. And listen to me, the first thing that you must do, Christian, is when trouble comes, get your eyes off the trouble and put your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that he is in control. Stop focusing on the problem. Stop focusing on the trouble and focus on the one that can deliver you from the trial. You see, when you do that, it changes everything. The only way to praise is to seek God first. What were they praising God for? They're in jail. They've been, they've been beaten. I read that verse, this verse here about prayer, and they sang praises unto God. What were they singing about? They're in, they, they should be in fear. They should be panicked. Their world is falling apart. They don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. They don't even know if they're going to live tomorrow. They're physically in pain. Emotionally, they're in pain. But spiritually, they are strong because in the midst of their trouble, they are trusting in the Lord. Oh, hear me today. Many of you today that are experiencing troubles, you're thinking about it. You're dwelling upon it. You're dreaming about it. It's causing you to lose sleep. It's causing you to lose, lose a, a precious time during the day. It's causing you to lose friends. It's causing you problems at work. Get your eyes off the trouble and get your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, and that's the first step in praising him. You see, they had nothing physical to praise God for necessarily. Were they going to praise him because they were just beaten? Are they going to praise him because they were in pain? No, they're praising him because they acknowledge that God is in control. They acknowledge that God is supreme. They acknowledge that Jesus Christ is died for their sins. They acknowledge that prayer is a way into the presence of God. You see, they weren't looking at the trouble. They were looking at the deliverer. They were praising God because Paul probably realized this, I'm sure, as he was sitting there. You know, at one time I was on that side, but now I know the truth, and I know the victory, and I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And they were probably praising God because they could take their life here upon this earth, but they can't take their soul. They were praising God because heaven was going to be their home. They were praising God because their sins are forgiven. And I simply say to you this, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what trouble you are going through, Get your eyes off of that. Put your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your eyes upon eternal things. And then you will be able to praise God for who he is. He gave them boldness. You see, the prisoners heard their faith, not their complaints. The, the prisoners heard their faith and not their complaints. 
this, this ought to cause everyone right now, well, when I'm done preaching, to go back to your social media accounts and review what you've said. You, you know what my concern is? My concern, Christian, is this. The whole world is in a trouble right now, and we as Christians are caught complaining about it. We're caught putting our voices in things that only cause complaints and issues. I told my wife from the beginning of this pandemic, I am not going to waste my time on social media responding to, to things. I'm not going to get into arguments and debates. I, I'm going to exalt Jesus Christ. I'm going to point people to him. And so many of us during troubles, maybe, maybe specifically through this pandemic, we've gotten ourselves into to bitter arguments and, and, and talking about things that we don't even know what we're talking about. And we're making ourselves look foolish, petty, and small instead of making Jesus Christ look large and on his throne. You don't find Paul complaining at all about the government. You don't find Paul complaining in this passage of Scripture about how he was wronged and his life now being inconvenienced. You don't find Paul complaining about what he's going through. No, what you find, what these prisoners found, they were sitting there as well. And maybe some of these were murderers. Maybe some of these were thieves. Maybe some of these uh, uh, had, had committed some crime. And they're in the prison with Paul and with Silas. And Paul and Silas aren't in there saying, I'm innocent and I'm being persecuted and this isn't right and, and, and the government is wrong and, and this isn't the way it ought to be and, and God's forgotten about us. No, what those prisoners find Paul and Silas doing is they're praying and they're singing praises and they heard what a true Christian sounds like during trouble. You see, it's important to have boldness. And boldness isn't you giving your opinion about something. Boldness is you standing for truth and exalting the Savior when others may not want to hear it. How are we doing with this? I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Pastor, boy, that's, that's pretty rough. It is, because we as Christians need to deal with trouble correctly. I've said this before. I'm not aiming for anybody's toes right now. I'm aiming for your heart. Because I believe this. We are at a place in our generation where we have the opportunity to give the gospel of Jesus Christ like we have never before. We have the opportunity, we as a church, we have taken the opportunity, literally hundreds, if not thousands of people in this very community have had a touch from someone in this church during this pandemic because we have chosen to get into this world, to get into our community and preach the gospel and show the love of Christ and, and give hope to a world without hope. Oh, listen to me, 600 police officers, that's 600 families, that's, that's husbands and wives of police officers and children and, and, and workers and, and friends and neighbors and family members of, of all these 600. They, we have an opportunity like we've never had before, maybe like we've never taken before to give the gospel, to give hope, to give assurance of, of salvation to, to a world that needs Jesus Christ. And what I'm simply saying is they need to see Christians respond with 
with prayer and with praise and with boldness. And that and that alone is what's going to turn people's hearts from a, a carnal or religious heart to a heart softened by the word of God. And then people will be saved. How are you doing with this? You see, we're in trouble. And what are people hearing from you? What are they hearing from you? What hope are you given? Number two, and, and I have to be done. I've got to go out and preach the same message in just a few moments to our drive-in service. Look with me in verse number 32 and 34. Don't give up yet. Stay with me. Verse number 32 and 34, the Bible says this. And they spake unto him the, world, the, the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his house, straightway. Now, for sake of time, let me just tell you where we're at instead of reading all the scripture leading up to that. Paul and Silas are praying, praising, and with boldness standing for Christ. An earthquake comes and they're, they're delivered out of this jail. The, remember, the Philippian jailer, he's going, to, he's going to be beaten. He could be killed. He'd lose his job. His family would be devastated financially. I mean, a lot of bad and harm is going to come to this Philippian jailer when Paul is loosed, and it wasn't his fault. God intervened. And that Philippian jailer said this uh, 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 during that dark period when, when he thought the prisoners had all escaped. Paul, he, he uh, says not to worry, not to fear. None of them have escaped. They're all there. That Philippian jailer, he sees, he obviously heard the prayers. He always obviously heard the, the praises. He saw God intervene and he saw Paul's response to this trouble. And this is what he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, the reaction to trouble, the response to trouble that Paul and, Silence had, uh, Paul and Silas had, it caused the Philippian jailer to say, what you have, I don't. When trouble came to that Philippian jailer, he was going to take his own life. He thought life was over. He thought it was done. It was hopeless. The prisoners had escaped and he's all done for. But Paul, he calls out and he says, don't do this. You see, Paul had hope in trouble and the Philippian jailer needed that hope. Paul had peace during his trouble and the Philippian jailer needed that peace. The Philippian jailer found himself in trouble and he wasn't praying and he wasn't praising and he wasn't standing for Christ with boldness. He was going to take his life. And listen to me, that's where the world finds themselves so often. They find themselves in trouble and they find themselves without hope and they find themselves without peace and they find themselves without answers. And they need to see that Christians respond differently when trouble comes into our lives. And then in that moment, they're going to desire what you have. But oh, listen to me, listen to me, Christian, when you don't respond correctly with trouble, you give no hope to the lost. When you respond the same way a person that doesn't know Christ responds, you, you give them no answers. Every one of us are in a trouble. And by your prayer and by your praise and by your boldness, will those that find themselves in trouble seek your help? You know what that Philippian jailer was saying? Paul and Silas, what you have, I want to receive. 
I'm in trouble. And I want the same peace you have when you found yourself in trouble. Write this down, number two. In trouble, realize God is in control and has a plan that we cannot see. Hear me today, please don't miss this. There's so many people, they're, they're believing in, in man's uh, law, in man's power, in man's authority. Hear me, the trouble you're in right now, God is still in control and God has allowed it and God has a plan for it. Don't miss this. Paul is on a missionary journey to bring the people to Christ. And that's what God is doing in this trouble. Paul went to Philippi to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to witness, to share the gospel. And guess what? That's what Paul's doing in prison. And so often we look at the circumstance we find ourselves in and we allow the circumstance to dictate our attitude and we allow the circumstance to dictate the, uh, whether God is in it or not or we let the circumstance dictate our response. But hear me, Paul went to Philippi to preach the gospel. Remember just a few weeks ago when Paul wanted to go to Asia, the Holy Spirit of God said, no, you can't go there. You got to go to Philippi. And Paul wanted to go someplace else. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you, you can't go there. You got to go to Philippi. Why do you think God wanted him to go to Philippi? Because Lydia needed to be saved. That damsel needed to be delivered from that demon. And this Philippian jailer needed to be saved in all of his house. You see, God was at work in Paul's life. And if Paul would give up and Paul would quit and Paul would get discouraged because of the trouble he found himself in, He'd miss out on what God is doing. Don't miss this. Get your eyes off the trouble and realize that God is doing something in your life. That God is doing something through that problem. We always don't like the process, but God is in control. I know Paul could have been thinking, you know what? I could have easily led people, Lord, if you just would have let me preach at the synagogue or down by the river. <laughs> but God said, there's a Philippian jailer that's not in the synagogue. There's a Philippian jailer that's not down by the river. That's where Lydia is. That's where the damsel is. But the Philippian jailer, he's in prison and he's working there. So Paul, I've got to take your life and I've got to put your life in that jail because I want the Philippian jailer saved. And Paul's trouble was so that God could work. And Paul responds through singing. He responds through prayer. He responds through boldness. And he allows God to work. You see, we want the painless process. We want people saved, but not at our inconvenience. <laughs> I want the whole world to be saved as long as it doesn't cost me something. Lastly, and I'm done. Number three, look with me in verse number 28 and 29. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he cried for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. That's a Philippian jailer in that second verse. Paul forgave those that hurt him. Now, Paul was beaten Paul was cast in prison by this Philippian jailer. And Paul forgave him. Who are you holding a grudge against? 
Who are you still bitter toward? Who are you holding on anger because they hurt you? You see, if you'll learn to pray and praise and stand for Christ with boldness, if you'll realize, number two, that God is in control and he's working through your trouble, you'll be able to forgive. Paul was able to go to this man's house. God, God saved this man and his family because Paul responded correctly to trouble. You've got trouble today. How are you going to respond? You can either hear this message and say, you know what, there's areas in my life, and Lord, I'm sorry, right there at your kitchen table or your, 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 there on your couch or wherever you might be here this morning listening to this message. Why don't you say, Lord, soften my heart. There's trouble. And if you've not responded correctly to trouble, simply repent. And ask God to give you the strength to respond correctly. Don't hold on to bitterness. Don't hold on to fear. Don't hold on to anger. Don't hold on to hurt. Learn to forgive so that God can work in the life of that person. You see, something so interesting. Paul was beaten by a man and placed in prison by this Philippian jailer. And because Paul was willing to forgive... He went to that Philippian jailer's house and that whole, that whole family, the Bible says, got saved and baptized. And now Paul today is in eternity in heaven with the person that once hurt him. How do you know if your heart's right? You're willing to spend eternity with the person that you're angry with. You dealing with trouble today? Pray, praise, stand with boldness, realize that God is in control, and learn to forgive. Father, help us today as we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts. Change us. Do something today. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you once again for watching our online service today. Throughout this message, you heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to know Christ as your savior. If you've never received that free gift of salvation, today I, I hope that you will. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came to this earth to pay the sin debt that you and I owe. The Bible says that for as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. The Bible goes on to say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that every single one of us are sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. You see, God loves you, and God wants to spend eternity with you. But we were born into this world in sin, and because of that sin, there's a debt that we owe. 
you and I are all sinners and we need a payment for our sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came and he paid that sin debt. He shed his blood, his precious blood, his holy blood, so you and I could be saved. The free gift, that gift that the Bible speaks of is Jesus Christ. It's God's gift to us. And if you will receive that gift and trust Jesus Christ as your savior, you will have everlasting life. You might ask, how do I receive that gift? By just simply praying and sincerely asking God to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you and come into your heart and save you and give you everlasting life. Repent of your sins and receive that free gift of salvation. And our prayer here at Monclova Road Baptist Church is that you would receive Jesus Christ as your savior today.